0: as far as dayball, you're right. Like, you know, you know, people are not going to love hearing it, but it it did have a very Joe judge like feel to it. It's the whole team, the whole game, you know, the post game, the the interviews, the way people were talking, it just, it was all very similar and familiar and not in a good way.
1: Welcome to the show. Right. O'Leary here along with my buddy, Dan Benton. It's the giants wire podcast. We're powered by the USA Today Network and available wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate you listening. We hope you subscribe. Leave us a review. Stick with us all season long. We'll be back weekly throughout the season. And Dan, Giants fans, they might need vent sessions like the one we're about to have right now because, you know, just based on what we saw on Sunday night. How you feeling about your football team after that thing, that debacle?
0: Well, I think Giants fans are going to need more than a vent session to get over that. disaster. <laughs> Alcohol? So maybe, Maybe like, yeah, maybe like a... Maybe like a full-time therapist in several cases of hard alcohol. Um, truthfully, one of the worst performances that I've seen in my career covering the team. Possibly one of the worst I've ever seen. You know, as a fan. Period. It was, it was an unmitigated disaster from start to finish, and everything
1: that could go wrong did go wrong. And you and the guys at Giants Wire felt pretty good about the team going into that one. You picked them, Dan. You weren't the only one who picked them. Giants Wire guys were not the only ones who picked. Uh, the Giants' other analysts and uh, you know experts or whatever you want to call them across the NFL picked the Giants. So you know, just how did everything go wrong? How did everything go wrong? How did they, on offense alone, seven sacks? They fumble it five times, or mm-hmm. at least the forced fumbles five times. Two interceptions, including a pick six. The blocked field goal for a touchdown. Didn't score any points. Didn't feel like they came close to scoring points. How did everything go wrong for a team that? A lot of people were feeling good about giants fans are feeling good about going into that thing
0: I, I wish i there was like a singular answer to that question but I, I don't think there is one and i think one of the biggest issues that i saw watching that game is the second they got kicked in the teeth earlier they just folded over that that same gritty fight that we saw last season was non-existent on sunday night it just wasn't there and that doesn't exclude anyone it was the entire team and and daniel jones is going to catch some shade in here in this in this episode because you know, I think Carl Banks even said it himself uh, during, you know, maybe it was not the post game, but at some point this week, is that he showed no fight whatsoever, and he didn't. No one on the team did. Uh, he obviously got, you know, giddy in the pocket, and his clock got sped up, you know, way faster than it should have. It's understandable why, but it's his job to, to not let that happen. You know, he made some horrendous decisions. The offensive line was a complete joke. I could have sacked Daniel Jones in that game, and I haven't played in years. Um, you know, the defense was okay. Xavier McKinney played, you know, he played relatively well. If I had to pinpoint a single player who did, he did miss a tackle, you know, that led to a big play. But, you know, it was just that kind of night. Listen, when when Graham Gano has a field goal blocked in return for a touchdown, then he misses a short 36-yarder, you know things are just... It's just not the team's night when that kind of stuff
1: happens. Now Ganoa's was money last year. Uh, yeah, and you, you know people are going to dunk on Daniel Jones. I, I agree. The blocking up front was uh, embarrassing. Like, I, I don't know how – you know what's coming. You know the Cowboys are going to bring that kind of pressure. You know they're tough to block. And to be out there and just look like you can't – you just physically cannot block them one-on-one. Uh, it was was tough to watch. Uh, so I, I don't think DJ had much of a chance, but I agree he was horrible in the game one of his worst games as a pro. Uh, there's not much to say there. I think Brian Dayball is a guy who we've sung his praises, Dan, throughout since he's gotten here. I think he has been he was refreshing to Giants fans when Dayball got here, but he's hearing it, right, after this week one from Giants fans. So, and, I, and I want you to tell us you know the kind of noise he is hearing. I mean, number one, the big glaring one was Andrew, Andrew Thomas was injured. He was actually trying to chase down that blocked field goal. Andrew, love you, man, but... Come on, (laughs) you're not going to catch anybody, (laughs) but he was trying to he was trying to run around on that blocked field goal, hurt his hamstring. He ended up getting sent back out there on offense, collapsed on the field, chasing the Cowboys during an interception return touchdown. So Andrew Thomas uh, out. We we hear he's day to day now. Uh, And then the other one was fourth quarter, 40 to nothing. Dak Prescott's on the bench. A lot of the Cowboys starters are on the bench. Daniel Jones in the rain, still out there taking a beating in the fourth quarter. People were way everybody was weighing in on that. Why is DJ still in the game? Even Micah Parsons, right? We, we can get into his comments, Dan, but Dayball's hearing it, right? Not only for the decisions he made out there, leaving guys in the game, sending Andrew Thomas back out, leaving DJ in, but for me, just watching just his, his demeanor, his face on the sideline, it just looked like. He's like, "Oh man, these what are these idiots doing out here? They're like beneath me." You know what I mean? It didn't feel like an all- in. It didn't feel like it was his team. It felt like he it was last year again, and he inherited Joe Judge, judge's team and he was like disgusted at what he was seeing on the field or something. It didn't feel like he was all in with the Giants in that game. It just it had a weird feeling to it, just watching him on the sideline and some of the decisions he was he was making. So talk about Brian Dayball and some of the heat he's getting from the Giants fans right now uh, coming out of that one.
0: Well, I, I think that whole feel kind of extended through the entire organization. There was just something almost surreal about what was happening on Sunday, and it, it and that started early. It just didn't it just didn't have the right feel to it, if I'm being completely honest. And I think I, I can't exactly describe what that means, but I think Giants fans will understand what it is I'm saying. As far as dayball, you're right. Like, I, you know, you know, people are not going to love hearing it, but it, it did have a very Joe Judge-like feel to it. It's the whole team, the whole game, you know, the post game, the the interviews, the way people were talking, it just, it was all very similar and familiar and not in a good way. As far as Dable himself, he is catching heat and what I feel is deserved. He should have never sent Andrew Thomas back out there. Now we've learned since then, at least they claim that it's an injury that can't get worse. I don't know how that's possible. I mean, certainly there are injuries that you can't hurt worse, but Hamstrings are generally not one of those things, like not to the point where it's like, oh, your day to day it could possibly play this week, but you can't hurt it more. Uh, Somebody's not telling the truth about that situation, leaving Daniel Jones. And now Jones did come out and say that he himself wanted to stay in the game. But again, that's not his decision. That's the coach's decision. Exactly. It's a soaking wet field. Uh, We saw what happened the very next night. Uh, Not saying that that was necessarily the turf's fault uh, when it came to Aaron Rodgers, but, you know, was certainly the potential that could have happened to Daniel Jones there. Was that really worth the risk when you're down 40 to nothing? Like, what do you have to gain from that situation? And there's nothing. There's no reason that Aaron Thomas should have been in the game. There's no reason that Daniel Jones should have been in the game. Quite frankly, there's no reason that Saquon Barkley should have been in the game. I don't know if anybody noticed, but the Cowboys started wrestling their starters in the second quarter. And the Giants were still getting whooped on by reserves. So, you know, it's pouring rain. It's a new turf. You don't really know how everybody's going to react to it. Uh, people are getting hurt. Andrew Thomas, like you said, is collapsing. Jones is running for his life, getting smashed up. When Micah Parsons comes out and he's the only voice of reason, there, there's major problems happening. <laughs> yeah. that's, just, that's just the reality of it. There's major problems happening.
1: Yeah, I, I don't care if Daniel Jones wants to stay on the field. You just got to say, hey, big dog, you're sending it out. We're done. We're, we're, we're waving the flag now. It's 40 to nothing.
0: Yeah, maybe listen, maybe Dayball wanted to see some fight, but it wasn't there. It wasn't yeah. there. Yeah. It just it wasn't. It. That's just the reality of it. You know me, I'm a big Daniel Jones supporter. He didn't have it either. None of the captains had it. None of the players had it. Nobody on the bench had it. Nobody in the stands had it. It was gone. And you were just risking stuff for no reason at that point.
1: Well, I can't I can't blame people in the stands, Dan, because I feel like is MetLife Stadium cursed or something? Like just that that Sunday night game was just what the hell was that? And then Aaron Rodgers is hurt on his fourth play on monday night in that it's like i gotta tell you are, are, is that like bad for
0: giants fans and like giants fans give me a hard time every year especially when the team loses you know they, they're a particularly nasty fan base sometimes it just is what it is that's the nature of new york uh, it's a tough place to play it's a tough place to write it's a tough place to be and they let you hear it when things aren't going well and You know, it's not often that I come to their defense because, you know, in the aftermath of this game, me and my staff were completely killed like we were the ones out there playing the game. But, you know, it's just the nature of how things go every year. But as I'm watching that game, I'm thinking to myself, I I actually feel bad for the people. And I knew some of them who like flew across the country, paid big money, got hotels, parking, concessions, tickets, the major expense that it, you know, it it, it costs to go to a Giants game. And they just flushed it. They just flushed their time. They flushed their money. They just completely flushed it. There was no effort. There was nothing redeeming about that game whatsoever. Uh, It's just it was a lot of wasted money for a lot of people who probably didn't have money to waste. And I feel bad about that.
1: I would say this is not the golden age to be a New York sports fan. It's tough across the board, Uh, no matter what teams you're trying to root for in New York right now. It's just not the golden age. You know what I mean, Dan? But uh, just to go back to what we were mentioning about Micah Parsons, here's what he said, just in case people don't know. Um, He said, quote, I do not agree with Daniel Jones staying out there until the last drive. I thought that was wrong. I thought it was deceiving. That's your franchise quarterback, and he's out there with a backup offensive line, still getting sacked and hit. I just don't understand. Maybe it was a prove-it moment by the Giants. I have no idea. A learning lesson? Who knows? So that was Micah Parsons after the game in a podcast. Uh so like you said, when Micah Parsons is being the voice of reason, Dan, that's yeah. that's not great. Uh well he
0: wasn't just he wasn't just questioning Dayball either. He was questioning the criticism of Daniel Jones as a whole. Yep. Um, you know, that part kind of got glossed over because the big story was the fact that Daniel Jones was left in and injury was risk for no reason. But the other part of that entire thing was Micah Parsons shooting down the critics and saying, That quarterback did not have a chance in that game. He stood no chance. Now, yes, he made some mistakes. We talked about that. No, he didn't play with much fight. We can criticize him all day long. But it was interesting to hear Micah Parsons come out and say, he's a really good player. He is not a bad quarterback. And the criticism is unwarranted. I found that to be extremely interesting. And it wasn't wasn't a tongue-in-cheek or kind of a sarcastic comment. If anybody actually watched him as he uttered those words, He was extremely genuine and honest in what he was saying. And uh, I I just found the entire take really, really interesting because uh, generally there's not not that kind of respect thrown across the lines between NFC East teams. Um, And obviously there was a lot of trash talk leading up to the game and throughout the game. But when everything calmed down and the adrenaline wore off to hear Parsons say those things, I found that remarkably interesting, actually.
1: Yeah, if you follow Micah Parsons on social media, Dan, you would you'd expect him to say, Well, Daniel Jones didn't have a chance because I was rushing him. You know what I mean? That's usually how he is, but he did he did make it more personable. He did uh give you kind of some honest uh, commentary there, which I which I thought was cool. But uh yeah. DJ it's hard had, not to expect
0: that, honestly. It's yep. it's it really is. Like you you watch that and you you see his mannerisms and you listen to the words that are coming out of his mouth and Whether you're a diehard Giants fan who hates the Cowboys or not, there's no way that you can listen to that and watch that and not tip your cap to Parsons.
1: Now, Dan, uh, Dayball was asked uh, repeatedly after the game this week, uh, you know, what are we going to do about this offensive line that's in shambles? Obviously, Andrew Thomas nursing an injury. They say he's day to day. He's got a hamstring. uh, So. Those are tough to come back from in one week. I, I don't know if it's a bad hamstring injury, then he's probably going to be out. Matt Pert, who got a lot, of, people talked a lot about Matt Pert being the swing tackle, right? Uh, well, he got hurt as well. Uh, so tackle is a is concerned. There's concern all over the offensive line as usual. This this story never
0: yeah, we, ends. Yeah, so we had this exact conversation leading up to the season about Matt Pert being the only swing tackle on the team, and what a disaster it would be if, one, Evan Neal didn't improve, and or, two, Andrew Thomas got hurt, and within one quarter we learned that both of the reality (laughs) of this team. Exactly. And then not only are you thrusting Pert into that role, which we already know that that is underwhelming to be kind, then he gets injured and you're using guards at tackle. Like, who could have ever foreseen that that was going to be a problem?
1: And you say this all the time, Dan, about how the Giants, they tr- they've they been investing in the offensive line. They try. They keep drafting offensive linemen high in the draft, right? But then you look at it and you're like, man, if Evan Neal doesn't improve, and it was a r- another rough one for him against a tough opponent, but still it was rough. You got Glowinski you know, and me and Neal on the right side. That's probably your wor- the worst right side of the offensive line in the NFL right now. <laughs> Glowinski and Neal on the right.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, it it is, unfortunately. And I know, again, people are going to be like, that's a little harsh. Well, you find me a right side of a line anywhere in the NFL that's worse. Just, you know, you can go back and look at last year if you want to, but even just taking the, the one game sample size, you know, it's not good. Like, you know, Neil was all about how he wanted to come out and get redemption against the Cowboys because he performed so bad as a rookie against them. He played worse. He played worse in this game than he did in the first game, which is, it's, it's hard to believe that that was even possible. And I'm still sort of lightly pumping the brakes on the, the, the Neil panic because he hasn't even played a full 16 games in the NFL yet. But what we saw on Monday night, that's, that has got to be concerning uh, for those inside the Giants organization. They cannot possibly look at that. Granted, it was, you know, the very talented Cowboys front seven that whooped them. But again, they were resting guys in the second quarter and they were still getting plenty of pressure on Daniel Jones. So... You know, Neil and Glowinski on the right, pretty much the entire offensive line, if we're being honest, uh, was getting whooped on by reserves. And there wasn't a single person across the line that was even when Andrew Thomas was in there and not gimpy, you know, he wasn't exactly dominating like we're used to seeing from him. Every single one of those guys struggled in, in some form or fashion. Um, and it is it is a very legitimate concern because this is a repeat issue for the Giants. It's an endless cycle of poor offensive line play that doesn't seem to ever matter or change regardless of what regime is in charge and what players are on the field. It's the same exact problems over and over and over again. And honestly, those of us at Giants where our staff were talking about this the other day, and it's like we just we cannot for the life of us figure out how the same problem continues to happen, dating all the way back to Jerry Reese and Tom Coughlin to Dave Gettleman and his slew of coaches, whether it been Schumer, McAdoo, uh, and of course, Joe Judge to now Joe Shane and and Brian Dayball. And again, the, the players have changed. The coaches have changed. The position coaches have changed. The general managers have changed. The scouts have changed. But the results are exactly the same. And it's just it's baffling how this is even possible.
1: Yeah, it's baffling and it's it's deflating. It's deflating week one when you see it, and it's and we literally cannot block, cannot block the and backups again, on the on the and Cowboys. Yeah,
0: and not not only not only are you is that damaging the team, but again, you're wasting another year of Daniel Johnson, Saquon Barkley.
1: Yep, good point there. Uh, so the offense was just they had no chance, couldn't block anyone. DJ was running for his life. Uh, they just could not get into whatever they had game game planned on that side of the football. Dan, they needed help. Uh, they needed something to happen on defense, right? And, and I thought the game was over at halftime. I think we all knew that, but still that that first drive of the third quarter that w- that one stuck with me as well. The Cowboys just going down and scoring on the Giants, going up thirty three to nothing, uh, just to put that put a bow on it right there to start the third quarter. I was just like, when is the defense going to make a statement? When are they going to step up and do something? Uh, but Dak Prescott really wasn't harassed at all, uh, wasn't sacked, barely hit, looked like he had a nice little dress rehearsal, right, extension of the preseason out there, didn't have to do much. Uh, So what happened to the defense in this one? Um, I know they were put in a tough spot by the offense, Dan, right, but weren't very competitive. And, again, that drive to start the second half was, that sucked, right, just because nothing went right in that first half. Let's see if we can get something going in a positive direction Mm -hmm. in the second half, and all of a sudden you're down 33 to nothing.
0: Yeah, well, there was a lot of missed tackles. You know that was one of the biggest problems. There was a lot of missed tackles. Um, Dexter Lawrence was really the only guy on. Well, Dexter and, and McKinney were really the only guys on the on the defense playing. I thought that Banks, the rookie, actually played relatively well, all things considered. Um, but just overall, it just wasn't a, it wasn't a good performance by the unit. Um, you know, you could see Simmons in there. He was in there for his package. He was very confused. He was constantly looking over to the players near him, asking what it was he was supposed to be doing. Um, you know, I'm not going to fault him for that. He's brand new to the team; he doesn't know the whole system yet. But again, that's on the coaches. Like, you need to recognize that this guy is out of place and doesn't know what's going on, and that's an immediate weakness on your team. Now, granted, he did use his speed to, you know, kind of gloss over some of those issues at times, um, but it was an issue. Um, you know, the rookies would make us, you know, penalties, some understandable first NFL game kind of penalties that the veteran Cowboys receivers would kind of have a field day, um, you know, running into contact and creating pass interferences and, and things like that. So it was just a lot of that was really just the veteran savvy versus the rookie inexperience that kind of cost the giants. And then there were other issues too, like, you know, Aziz O'Jalari who's where was Aziz? A good that's, rusher, that's a, good.
1: Yeah, that's a good one. Where was Aziz in this he one? Was,
0: he was getting whooped on by tight ends. Like he was getting totally blocked out by tight ends. And those are matchups that he should be winning every time. And then, you know, you want to talk about Kayvon Thibodeau was was he on the field? Did anybody see him? Did he have a helmet on during the game? Like, you know, I thought primetime loved him. Wasn't that the whole story last year? Where was he? He was absent.
1: The only so, time I saw Kayvon was one shot on the bench. He had his helmet off, just shaking his head, looking pissed. I think that's the only time I remember seeing Kayvon in the game. It wasn't yeah, on the field. They
0: were they were they were invisible. The pass rush was completely invisible. Uh, they were getting beaten one on one matchups that weren't even necessarily against the offensive lineman at times. Uh, the blitzing for Wink was oddly inconsistent, and you know you, you kind of expected a little bit more of it. And they you know, it wasn't nearly as creative as we've seen before. Uh, maybe that was a product of the score and just being down so far. It's hard to gamble, you know, when you're down thirty three to nothing. But, you know, it was just a, like I said, to open the show is just an unmitigated disaster from top to bottom. And you could point your finger at every single player on the team and every single coach on the team.
1: Well, I got good news, Dan. They're playing the Cardinals next <laughs> so that they could easily turn this thing around, win 30 to nothing this coming week. It'd be one and one. And we'll be feeling better about the football team. Right. So there's that. So let's, I, go ahead.
0: I, I don't know if I'm that confident
1: about that. Oh, going. no.
0: Yeah. After watching this offensive line last week that they are. There are some
1: major concerns. Yeah, you might never pick the Giants again after uh, what they did to you on Sunday, but uh, we'll get into that matchup. Giants Cardinals week two coming up next. But first, here's some fantasy advice from Corey Bonini of thehuddle.com.
2: I'm Corey Bonini of thehuddle.com here to bring you fantasy football strong plays for week number two quarterback Anthony Richardson, Indianapolis Colts at Houston Texans. While the Texans held Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson to practically nothing both aerially and on the ground last week, Baltimore found success rushing the ball, which is something we're not convinced you'll see from Indy this week. Richardson should be the team's leading rusher, and he has a strong chance of scoring at least one touchdown with his legs. Passing-wise, however, it's fair to be leery of the rookie's maturation in only a second game, but all he needs is something around 230 passing yards and a touchdown strike to augment his rushing success for a quarterback one finish. Running back Jamal Williams, New Orleans Saints at Carolina Panthers. In week one, no defense gave up more fantasy football success to running backs than Carolina, a unit that was only mediocre at slowing the position last year. On Sunday, the Saints had a tough rushing matchup versus Tennessee, and Williams' numbers suffered as a result. He is poised to produce at least 100 combined yards and one touchdown against a defense that permitted 177 total yards and a trio scores to Atlanta running backs last weekend. Wide receiver Elijah Moore, Cleveland Browns at Pittsburgh Steelers. Moore tied to Murray Cooper with seven targets last week, suggesting the former New York Jet has a real chance of blossoming in this offense. Pittsburgh gave up two scores to Brandon Ayuk last week, and this was the fifth weakest unit at slowing the position in PPR scoring. At a minimum, Moore should be treated as a quality flex play, especially in PPR. Tight end Cole Komet, Chicago Bears at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Komet was good for a modest line of 9.4 PPR points on his five catches for 44 yards in week one versus Green Bay. Tampa has struggled at times in the last few years at containing the position, including in week one when this unit surrendered a league-high 11 catches, although for just 67 yards. Volume rarely is part of Komet's game, so consider him a little bit volatile, but he still has tight end one upside if you're in a situation to gamble. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com.
1: All right, Dan, we're back. Is this a get-right week for the Giants against a Cardinal team that has no quarterback, has no defense really, really doesn't seem all that concerned? to be winning games this season could be a game i I would think that it should be a game the giants win by a couple touchdowns at least one and one here we go bounce back game you don't think so before the break you said you're not so sure
0: yeah well listen it's a it's a should win game you better win this one because it's not getting any easier from here the problem that i have with that is the offensive line played just so unbelievably poorly it's hard to have any confidence, especially when you consider the reality that Andrew Thomas is likely not going to be in the game. So you take the best player at the team's worst position out. And again, you're faced with this nightmare scenario of having to protect Daniel Jones against a team that just recorded six sacks of their own a week ago. And granted, a lot of those sacks were the result of you know Sam Howell not necessarily right being a savvy veteran quarterback kind of running himself into yep. a couple of those but looks like Carson Wentz a, a little bit them. out
1: there somehow <laughs> yeah, some Wentz moments. yeah
0: kind of I mean two of the sacks were him just you know scrambling out of the pocket just coming up <laughs> yeah. short going out of bounds another <laughs> one he ran up the back of his offensive lineman and got sacked but Rod Rivera's you know, like
1: I, I got to, I thought I got rid of freaking Carson Wentz what are right? do you doing out there how <laughs> it's, not,
0: it's it's not the same kind of pass rush that they saw last week but They're also not going to be as strong as they were last week. And that's amazing when you think about how poorly they played. So there is a reason to be concerned, even though this is a game that on paper and even Vegas thinks they should win. I I think maybe there's a little bit too much confidence. And I hope the Giants, after getting their butts whooped like they did last week, don't carry that same level of ego into this game, because that would be a big
1: mistake. Yes, it would. Yeah, you're right. Because this one has that natural letdown situation because again the cardinals have no quarterback I, well they don't have their quarterback right Ky- kyler murray is still on the pup list still rehabbing uh but yeah like you said dad the giants are four and a half point favorites on the road and you would just expect the defense to come out here and, and dominate this ball game against who's it going to be the quarterback over there josh Dobbs again like is mm-hmm. that gonna is that their plan uh he just got there like a, a month or two ago right so uh is it is it i would expect daniel jones to bounce back i'd expect to see more Darren Waller like in your fantasy football leagues, like you should be able to fire those two guys up. I would, I would imagine, but again, the no left tackle is a little scary. Uh, but yeah, I just think my gut tells me big bounce back week for the giants. They should cover this spread and, and all that. Uh, but I'm just, I'm just really not that interested in in the giants blasting the Cardinals. Dan, uh, you know what I mean? Like that just doesn't interest me. I'm, I'm more interested in like, I thought the Giants were closing the gap between teams like the Cowboys and Eagles. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I thought. And so how, how do we get back on that wavelength? Like, that's what I was thinking coming into the season. The Giants have closed the gap on the Cowboys and Eagles. And if they haven't closed it completely, they're close. But now we're like, we're back to square one. You know what I mean? After, after Sunday night. So I just want to start feeling better about the team and that they're actually making their way towards uh, actually yeah. challenging the Cowboys and Eagles for real.
0: Yeah. And I know the argument is, oh, it's one game. I mean, that's fine. You know, it'd be different if they just, you know, lost a competitive game. They were completely blown out of the water in a way that we haven't seen in the lifetime of many of the current generation of Giants fans. That's how bad it was. I mean, when you look back at the statistics of that game, you know, going into that game, no team in NFL history had ever lost a game 40 to nothing with seven sacks to zero, with three turnovers to zero, with a pick six, and with a field goal blocked for a touchdown in an entire season, and the Giants (laughs) did it in one game. That's not great. So it's hard to look at it and be like, no, they're closing the gap. There's reason to be optimistic. It was just one game. No, there's there's reason to be pessimistic because that was just an absolute demolition derby in which they didn't stand a single chance, and the only reason that game wasn't 60 to nothing is because – the Cowboys took their starters out, or at least most of them. Uh, they they really took their foot off the gas, and they still managed to put up 40. So, you know, there is reason, like I said, to be concerned that the Giants maybe didn't necessarily close that gap. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they're getting dominated in the trenches on both sides of the ball, with the exception of Dexter Lawrence, who's just otherworldly. Um, but these guys got to come on. You know, all the ones that we were talking about, everyone across the offensive line, Kayvon, Aziz, Simmons has got to get comfortable. They need more pass rush. They, they need more interior rush. They need to be better against them. They need to be better in every aspect of the game. And, you know, again, it's a small sample size, yes. But the game itself last week was so hideous that it's just hard to look at it and be like, yeah, maybe they're inching closer to these teams. Maybe they're inching closer to the Arizona Cardinals with Dobbs as quarterback. Maybe that's where they're closing the gap. And and, and hopefully that shows a little bit this weekend. And I know people are going to be like, oh, it's so doom and gloom. It's just the reality of what we saw. You can't possibly look back at that game and feel comfortable about it. I mean, I've seen games where the Giants run back-to-back quarterback sneaks and do better than they did last week. So that kind of tells you about where they are to open this season. And I don't think it's going to be any kind of blowout. I don't necessarily even believe that the current 5.5 spread as of this morning um, accurately represents what's going to happen on Sunday. But I do think the Giants are going to win because I know we're getting there. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be close, and it's probably going to be a last-second game and a low-scoring game at that.
1: Yeah, so that's a, that's a little concerning because when you look at this Arizona uh, roster, Dan, there's just not much that scares you on it. But I, I understand nope. what you're saying. And, yeah, the the line opened at 4.5. It's moved to 5.5. Money is going on the Giants uh, to win this ballgame if the Giants don't win this ball game by a touchdown and it doesn't feel comfortable at the end, Dan, then maybe we are having that conversation of like, are they going to be one of the worst teams in the league this year? Maybe they're, they're going the opposite direction We we thought they had gone from one of the worst teams to one of the middle of the pack teams last year. And now like, where are we going next? We're going to take that next step. If they struggle with this Cardinals team, I mean, this is the team that's like favored to have the number one pick next year. I don't don't think they're trying that hard without Kyler Murray uh, to win football games right now. I mean, again, Josh Dobbs is their quarterback. They they picked him up off the scrap heat and said, Hey Josh, go start Mm -hmm. some games for us. I don't think they're that interested in winning. They're going to try to win obviously, but I don't think they're that interested in it. The Giants struggle with this team. Oh, you talk about negativity. Well, just wait till our podcast next week. If they, if they struggle with this team, win or lose, uh, my, my God, I want to say they're going to win this thing comfortably, but you're not so sure.
0: I'm really not. I just, I don't feel at all comfortable with the way that they played. Um, I, I don't know that you can immediately turn around and, and fix all those problems in a week, even against the far inferior team like the Cardinals. And that's not meant to insult the Cardinals. Obviously, they're a rebuilding franchise who's really kind of aiming for that number one pick. They're not throwing games, but they're you know they're not going out there you know furious to win it's like one of their Cowboys season would. goals.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. But I just the Giants, the just the general lack of fight and the, the seeming lack of interest that they showed is is really perhaps the most concerning thing of all. It's just almost like they bought into their own hype a little bit. Um, But this is a must win game. And I hope they're treating it as much because if they don't win this game, you know, they, they face a very realistic chance at and three and that's going to be tough to come back from when you've got an offensive line, like you've got there. So, you know, unfortunately, no. I don't think the Giants are going to go in and and completely flip the script and blow the Cardinals out of the water like the Cowboys blew them out of the water. I think it's they're going to have to fight and claw their way to a you know what ultimately amounts to a last second win against what could very well be the worst team in the NFL when all is said and done.
1: Yeah, and this is probably a story for another day, Dan. But you know, with sometimes Week One teams just aren't ready, and maybe the Giants just weren't ready to go out there and play a team as skilled and talented as the Cowboys. Cowboys have They're just nasty um, across the board, but especially on defense, obviously. NFL teams are doing less and less in the preseason now. Uh, And again, this might be a bigger topic for another day. But I mean,
0: you've heard I know where you're going with this. And you've heard me say this before. Yeah, it's not a good it's not good. It's It's not a good trend. Yeah, it's not a good trend. It's not good for cohesion. It's not good for. Uh, production on the field. It's not good for preventing injuries. It's actually quite the opposite.
1: Hamstring uh, injuries, especially Dan. Exactly. How,
0: we saw how all many ham- those things rear their ugly head last week. How- uh, I've I've long been against the the degradation of the preseason and what you're able to do in practices leading up to the regular season i think all of the measures that have gone into making the game safer for the players has made the game more dangerous for the players and i think that because not only are their bodies not prepared for the games when they come they're mentally not prepared for the games when they come so um the addition of dayball basically just given his starters one series that was never going to yield positive results, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think especially hamstring injuries. There's an epidemic in the NFL. Hamstring injuries everywhere, Dan. Everywhere. It's not just A- uh, Andrew Thomas and the Giants and Darren Waller and, and you know the hamstring injuries we're seeing with the Giants. It's everywhere. All over the league, there's got to be dozens and dozens and dozens of guys that went into the week with hamstring problems, came out of the week with hamstring uh, problems. Deontay Johnson of the Steelers went down with a hamstring. You could go on and on and on. Uh, there's hamstrings all over the place, key players. And it there's got to be, there, I don't know, there's probably people a lot smarter than me studying this stuff. It's got to come down to, you know, one of the big things the players fought for in the CBA was to have less practice. And, uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, it, it feels like there might be a correlation there with some of these soft tissue injuries, man. The hamstring injuries across the league are crazy. It's crazy. And I just think sometimes teams aren't ready to go in week one. I've been making
0: this argument since they got rid of two-a-days. I know I'm aging myself with that, and some fans who are listening to this are thinking, what the hell are two-a-days? But I've been making that argument since since they did that. And uh, it just seems to me that no matter what precautions they take, uh, whether it's reducing a preseason game, which, let's be honest, was really just more about getting extra money out of a regular season game, Um, than the safety of the players but all these limitations to practice the number of times you could practice how long you could be on the field and I know the Giants lean heavily on all this GPS stuff and that's great because it does seem to have some level of an impact but shortening the preseason, practicing less taking less hits on the body you know it's like a prize fighter they don't they don't have one or two soft, you know, sparring matches leading up to this huge event where they go in there for 10 rounds and they're beating the crap out of each other because that's extremely dangerous. They spar consistently. They're consistently physical leading up to that game as they ready their body for that. And I think that's one of the major issues with the NFL. And, you know, people can argue that all day long, but there's no way that you can look at the data and go back in time and see the increased number of injuries when you have less preseason games and less practice times, and think it's something else, the game is big, the game is fast, the game is violent, and that's all the more reason to get your mind and body ready for it.
1: Yeah, I think um, I didn't really care about the preseason stuff, but now you see you see what's going on, and you see how ri- ridiculous Week One is in the NFL. It's just like crapshoot across the board. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure is. there's
0: a middle ground somewhere, yeah, yeah. but they've gone they've gone from one extreme to the other, particularly with the Giants this year. You're playing guys one series, like one series in the preseason. I-, I don't know that anybody could sell me on that being the right approach. Uh, you yeah, Granted, the Giants did go into the regular season healthier than they've been, but right up, leading up to that week, all of a sudden you got Darren Waller injury. Now Andrew Thomas is hurt. Matt Pert is hurt. You've got Deontay Banks is hurt. The, you know, the, the list is like, Two pages long, the injury report uh, this week already with a bunch of guys hurt. Cam Brown is another one. Uh, Owens, the rookie safety, is another one. You can go on and on and on. Like they were healthy right up until the point where the regular season arrived. And all of a sudden it was like, boom, just this massive explosion of injuries that only were then compounded in the game itself. When And the argument was it's all about player safety in the preseason. But then the regular season comes along and Andrew Thomas is collapsing on the field and you're still leaving him in there. So is it really about player safety then?
1: No, it's a, it's a great point. And again, it's it's a bigger topic for for another day, probably, Dan. Uh, but yeah, I'm interested in the topic. It's not just the Giants. There's injuries across the board, across the league. But sometimes teams just aren't ready to go in week one. Maybe the Cowboys were just the wrong opponent for the Giants. They just weren't quite ready physically, mentally to go in that ball game. Hopefully, they are a little bit more ready to go against the Cardinals. <laughs> that, that, that's the point, right? That's the point. You, if you need a tune-up game, you need to get ready. Yeah. The Arizona Cardinals is the place to be. So, uh, hopefully, well, we're having a different conversation it, next week.
0: Yeah. Listen, if they come out slow and, and the Cardinals pass rush is beating them up early, it's it's going to be a long day for the Giants. And it's going to be a long season for them, too.
1: All right, well, with that, for Dan Benton, I'm Ryan O'Leary. We appreciate you jumping on board for uh, this version of the therapy session, the Giants therapy session, (laughs) and we'll be back weekly for that. So uh, we appreciate you. Again, subscribe if you could, tell a friend, and we'll catch you next time after Giants Cardinals.